Yes. How you doing, Clayton? I'm doing great. It's a rainy day. Yeah. It's a perfect day for reading the books. It is. I know. There's nothing better than when you wake up and it's raining outside. You can hear it. Like, because I have one of those like tin overhangs. You can hear it. And then you just know you don't have to go anywhere the whole day. You have a full fridge. Oh, that's the best. A full TBR pile. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better. But we're here for you. We left the house. Yes, we took one of the perfect reading days of the year and decided to record an episode for you guys because that's how much we love you. Yeah, we really love you guys because I, I can't believe I put on a bra today. Yeah, it's yeah. shocking. <laughs> Nothing else is getting Aaron out of the house. <laughs> Nothing. Um, so what did we read, Aaron? We read my first Alyssa Cole, which is shocking to me. And should be shocking for everyone else because she's such a powerhouse. Um, there are people gasping audibly mm-hmm. on their ride to work. This won't be the last one we read and this won't be the last one I read. A lot of this also is because we have such an insane reading schedule for the podcast. There are so many books I want to read that I just can't get to. But I'm so happy that we read this book. Uh, we read Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole. And yeah, so Clayton, before we jump into it. What did you think of this cover? Oh, I like this cover. This is a beautiful cover. Yes, I loved it. Um, So I love the font. I love uh, that's, uh, I'm assuming, Bertha on the cover. Mm -hmm. And she looks beautiful and fierce. And yeah, it really, I think, invokes, because this is Harlem in 1917. Mm -hmm. And I think it invokes that feel very well. The teens, the almost the twenties, mm-hmm. yeah, almost the roaring twenties. She's right there. She's right on the cusp. <laughs> um, you can hear a faint Foster? sound of a roar, maybe just a little beginning of a growl. That's well, she's become also, a roar. Uh, yeah, she's living in New York City, so I bet she's ahead of the trends. So yes. she probably. Well, she was talks about people in her um, in the cashmere who have bob haircuts. Mm-hmm. She doesn't though. She has to keep it long and straight. Well, before the cashmere is her club that she owns. Yeah, that she got from forging a will. You know what? You do what you got to do. You do what you got to do, everybody. <laughs> Let's uh, tell us what the book is about because there's so much about this book that we could just start talking and completely forget to do. Sure, the things we're supposed to do. This book is about, like I said, 1917 Harlem. We've got Bertha. She's our heroine. She owns a club called the Cashmere. And uh, we meet Amir, who's our hero, who is... He's from Bengal. He's from Bengal. He's Bengali. And he is undocumented. And he's a chef. But when he starts to work for Bertha, she starts him out washing dishes, which he's thankful for the job, but he's also kind of like, my tools are right there. I'm washing them. I want to be able to cook. So Bertha does um, uh, Indian dance, I guess. What is, is there? Is there like a name specifically? I think there's a specific name for the dance, but um, something that uh, Amir knows and he's, he's, sees her dancing, gets hard, thinks she's sexy, but is like, uh, she's doing that a little wrong. So they decide, he decides that he, 
he's going to go up to her and offer to give her lessons. So they start doing dance lessons. And as we all know, dance lessons lead to the horizontal mambo, of course. So then they fall in love and we get our happily ever after. Yeah. yeah. You left out a big part, though. Well, I was doing wide view. What did I wide leave view? Out? Well, because the whole time also Bertha is so for New York oh. State, they're doing a vote to see if uh, women should have the right to vote mm-hmm. in New York State, which I was just thinking it is like insane that you would have a vote for can a minority population vote who yeah. aren't actually a minority population. But it's uh, it seems like a trap. Yes. But because also if. What, it worked out correctly this way that yes. women in New York State got the vote in 1917. Um, it wasn't part of the Constitution until 1919, as we all know, for white women. Obviously, it took a long time for everyone to catch, for it to be uh, complete suffrage. As we all know. We all know this. And maybe we don't have 100% suffrage now. Who uh, yeah. knows? Um, I didn't just learn that as soon as you said it. I didn't. I knew this. <laughs> In fact, I told you about it. You did. You told me about it earlier. I'm just repeating yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, she is so fighting she- for suffrage and she's getting leaned on by a lot of people because she's they think she's a rabble rouser, which she is. Well, also, it goes into it, it, the fact that this book is a novella is bonkers because mm-hmm. the amount that w- is in this book it feels like a full novel the characters are 100% characters the setting is you know 100% there you feel the history and the future and everything it's it is so well so well done as a novella i can't overstate it but you know a lot of the suffrage um a lot of the suffragettes felt that they had to conform to a certain way of being in order to get the vote which isn't uncommon that uh, sometimes play you, the game, you p- try to play the game. You try to become like the oppressor so that he'll re- they'll he'll yeah, recognize you. Yeah, as that a person. Tracks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so th- that's a way to take it. Bertha is a former sex worker. She's a dancer. She owns this club where there is also uh, where sex workers are as well. And, um, there are white and black people who go to the club. Um, and so for various reasons, they don't feel like she would be a proper advocate. Bertha says, she gives the two birds. She's like, fuck you yeah, all. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Um, my girls deserve 100% um, uh, suffrage as well. And so she starts basically teaching these government classes to her, the women who work in her club. Um, and... Mrs. Q, who is sort of like the head of the numbers game, she sort of like runs the her her runs Harlem, um, starts sending women there too to also be educated. And Amir also wants to be educated yeah, in the ways of the so government. So in exchange, he's yeah. going to be able to sit in, mm-hmm. but keep his mouth shut. Please well, sits in the back. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he'll teach her how to dance. Yeah, so that that is the trade that yes. they make. It's not just she, he shows up and says, "I'm going to teach you how to dance," because she's like. Um, excuse me? Yeah, she's... I've been doing this dance for a minute, and you're going to come tell me I'm doing it wrong? Like, no thank you. Because Bertha has pride, which she should have. Oh, yeah. But it's it's always hard to have somebody criticize you, especially if the thing you're doing is artistic in nature. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. 
it was an interesting thing because they were both attracted to each other pretty quickly. Yeah. But she, f- for good reason, does does not allow men to uh, get past that security gate she's got just because, you know, she's had bad uh, interactions with men before um, and things like that. So, so uh, it, it, this book was 187 pages and her letting that guard down still felt very organic. It w- didn't seem rushed because by the time they were physical with each other, it made sense. But I think that the dancing did play such a oh yeah huge part and that's such a brilliant move to 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 have them dance because dance is the closest thing to sex that you can have without taking your clothes off. Uh so it worked so well to hurry that physical contact up. Uh and I really like that. So Amir at some point gets a letter from his family and he has he has uh, land there, and if he doesn't go back, he's gonna he could lose his land, which is a huge deal. So that's his kind of conflict and his struggle to think, oh, am I gonna try to stay in America where I could just get booted back home anyway, but lose my land, or you know should I just go back and know that I have that there? And he chooses love. And he chooses a place to, because he ends up being the a chef, which is what he wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Well, because he comes in as a dishwasher because Cora, the... Um, very pregnant. Yeah. Chef. She's a very pregnant chef. And so I assumed that he came in always, like, always that Cora was going to teach him to take over for her. Uh-huh. But then it turns out maybe not. Like, he sort of brought himself in. Yeah. And I really loved this book for a lot of reasons but i loved the way it showed sort of the way that women are on display in a certain sense and how i mean you first meet bertha and she is at a hair salon and she's having her hair chemically straightened and she talks about how she had burned before she hated doing it but it was something that she had to do in order to participate in the world at the level that she was um or that's what she felt. And it it was very – I loved showing that and showing that as the first thing because, you know, that is true for a lot of women. So if you are running a business as a woman, you have um, just the running of a business, which is difficult. But then you have to add in all this stuff to it as well, which is, you know, the hours that it took to get – takes to get her hair straightened or to look a certain way or to wear high heels that are uncomfortable and also constantly being on display. So she never wanted to really be in public with Amir and not because she was ashamed of him, not because he was Indian, but because she didn't want anyone talking about her and how having people in her community talking about her would have been a really, really big deal and would have really affected her business in a way that Amir, for better or worse, was able to really slide under um, everyone's notice and almost didn't really exist as strongly within the community, which is a bad thing as well. Like either extreme is not good. Yeah, he had to kind of stay a little underground. 
Because he was undocumented and he knew that at any moment immigration could come and they could put him on a ship and he would be back in India. Well, and another thing that I thought was interesting was we learn a lot about Bertha's history and her father basically had run into a Indian man and realized that the Indian man could go places that he as a black man could not go. And so he created a persona for himself of Raj Ben and he wore a um, turban and had his daughter that's how she started dancing like Indian dances because they were uh, pretending to be an Indian father and daughter and he basically left her mother because her skin was too dark and she couldn't have so to have color is in there as well we find out that his her mother uh, met somebody else and married them. And I was very happy when that yes. happened because, you know, truly fuck her father. What uh-huh. an asshole. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I found that really interesting, too. What did you think about the sexy parts? Were you into her sucking on his finger? Because I thought that was a little gross. You thought it was gross? Only because. Okay. Not the actual thing, but because he was cooking, Uh gave her a taste. He didn't want her to touch his tools, which is like the spoon. Mm -hmm. And he dips his finger, gives it to her, and she like licks it off and then starts sucking on it to see, to get a reaction from him because they're obviously going back and forth. My thought just was, what was the hand hygiene situation? Oh I, I know, I know, I know. He should have his hands clean because he's working with food. Yeah. But there's maybe a difference between I'm at home and I'm cooking for my lover or vice versa. And they do that because it's a more controlled environment at home. Than a crowded restaurant in a dirty city, you know, like that. I like the idea of that. But when she starts sucking his fingers, like, where's that finger been? Oh, my God. I know. I know. But that's my thing with food. Yeah. You have tough. You have tough food things. But otherwise, I did. I like the food. uh, I like the the description of the food. Mm hmm. Yeah. I imagine he probably has clean hands. I'm, I'm sure he sure, washed I'm his sure. hands before he got started. And then, yeah. But, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't you know. You just don't like someone out in the city. It's like subway hands. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, those hands, even if they've been washed, they've been, you know, washed by probably insufficient soap. You have to have home soap. Home soap is you better than. You can control it. the soap. Yeah, because you can get, you know. Get some lava soap and just really scrub a layer of skin off and then do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was not thinking any of that. I mean, obviously I'm sick. Yeah. You're messed up in that. But otherwise, I love the dancing scenes. Uh, I thought those were super erotic. And I, and I like their, their sex scenes, too. They only have sex once in a linen closet. Yeah. And that's fantastic. Yeah. He takes her to a wedding to dance. Um, and also a wedding that was um, a mixed race wedding because it was an Indian guy and a his Spanish speaking woman. And uh-huh. We don't really know where she's from. Um, and I uh, loved that too that he took her there to be like, let's try dancing in public and tried to have like a little date with her. Mm-hmm. He got mad because she, 
which I also I was like, I think we're supposed to think that Bertha is being unreasonable in this moment. I was on her side the entire time because he pulls up in a truck, him and his roommate, Syed, and he yells up to her like, we're here. Come down. And she comes out and she's like, don't yell up in my window. Like, I'm trying to keep a low profile here in my neighborhood and I don't want people knowing I'm going out with strange guys. So then she sits in the driver's seat and starts because people have started looking at her and it's like, oh, just learning how to drive. This yeah. is fun. And he gets all pissed because he's like, you're you are ashamed of me. I'm like, no, you were yelling in the street for her. You who shouldn't do that? that no matter who you are. Yeah. Don't you go to a lady's door. Yeah. Ring the bell. Yeah. If you don't want to go all the way upstairs. Yeah, you don't sit in a car and scream at somebody. No, that's, that's never been bananas. appropriate. It's never been appropriate. No, and I felt like we kept trying, like, it, it felt like we were supposed to feel bad that he felt like, oh, she she doesn't want to be with me in public. But I was like, don't scream at people. That's insane. Just don't yell at people. It's a great, it's a great just blanket statement. Yeah, if Pat was out in a car, if he drove, if he knew how to drive, not well, to blow yeah. up his spot. He doesn't. But it's a thing for us, so. He pulls up in front of the apartment and he yells at you. Hey, time to go. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. You'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get out of the car. Park the car. Yeah. You know? Or ring the bell and ring let me know you're bell. downstairs. I mean, we have phone. You could just text me. They didn't have that option. But, like, yeah, there are other things to do. That was crazy that he was, Amir was upset about that. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I have this big, uh, this memory of when I was a kid and on TV, they would always like come up to somebody's house and you would like beep the horn and then the person would come out. So my mother always just takes a long time to do everything. So she was, had been on the phone or something. We, and we were going somewhere that I felt like we needed to be there on time. I don't even remember where it was. I was probably like 12 and I, you know, whatever she was doing in the house, I was waiting in the car and I beeped the horn twice to get her to come out. And I, she whipped open the door and I've never been so scared in my life where I was like immediately like, I've done the wrong thing. That was insane. And she just was like, what did you just do? Did you just beep a horn at me? And I was in so much trouble. But now I know. Oh, yeah. Because it was rude. It is. I, I, I feel like I, I never did that when I was a kid because I knew. I had that, a moment. I had a lapse. Yeah. Because you, as soon as you did it, you knew you fucked up. Oh, once I saw her face, I, I don't think I've ever seen my mother that angry. Yeah. that's Yeah, I remember being with somebody in a car waiting for another mom and then beeping at them and just getting terrified. Like, oh my, this is the worst thing you can do. And then the, the parent wouldn't react in the appropriate way, which mm-hmm. is to freak the fuck out <laughs> and tell their kid how rude they're being. Yeah. So I was – my head was spun because I thought – they this kid just broke a barrier and did the worst thing you possibly could do and nothing happened but my mother used and this makes it sound like i had a horrible mother i didn't have a horrible mother like she was great but in the supermarket she would always be like can you, oh i forgot english muffins can you go get english muffins and i would run to get them because she would just continue shopping and i would lose her for like five ten minutes i'd be like here we go this is it's happened it's just me and my english muffins now that's so making yeah. the way in the world <laughs> So you're like, she could have at least picked something that had more like actual nutrition to it so that I could survive on this. Uh, English muffins, just a lot of bread and nothing much, right? You nooks can't and live crannies. off. Yeah, you can't live off those nooks and crannies. Yeah, so they go to a wedding and then they fuck in a linen closet. Wonderful. Great. Loved it. Very sexy. They, they, they were very like, it was love at first sight. They were both 
he wasn't pretending he wasn't in love with her. He mm-hmm. pretty much the first chance he got was like, Man, I'm attracted to you. Um, but she tried to play it a little bit more cool. It seems like just because she had had an awful, she had a bad dad. She had a husband who seemed like he was all right. Mm-hmm. But not, the, not there not was no great. passion or love. Yeah. And he would also, yeah, he, he was also her pimp to husband. You know, which is a hard tran- transition. Yeah, never. Yeah, you never. You can take the husband out of the pimp, but you can't take the pimp out of the husband. Does that make sense? No. Okay. But well, please leave that in. I'll leave that in. <laughs> um, I was reaching for the moon, and I fell onto a star. Okay. And then also fell off that star. <laughs> and are now just falling forever. Yeah, and just I'm falling forever. Um, Grasping at anything. <laughs> I'll take a low-flying plane, please. <laughs> An apt metaphor. Yeah. Then also, there was a big scene where Corey gives birth. And Amir had heard the story of his birth so many times that he just decided he could deliver a baby. I can do it. That's not Which, how that works. Well, I really do love his uh, attitude of like, well, we can, we can do anything. Yeah, his go-get-em attitude. Yeah. And also, you know, most of the time births are fine. And so they got lucky, and then she named her baby after him, Amira, which is a really cute name. It is. So uh, women get the right to vote in New York State, 1917. Which I knew before I read this. Mm -hmm. I already knew that. Yeah, you knew how many states need to to ratify that amendment. Yeah, I knew that it was um, three, the fingers, I can't. (laughs) 39. 39. Okay. They needed 39 states to ratify it. Now I'm going to edit this so well that I'm just going to say 39. (laughs) Before you even finish the question, I'm going to cut you off. You know what my favorite thing about the ratification of the 19th Amendment? And there are a lot. Okay. I like voting. That's fun. But about the history is it came down to this one state deciding to ratify or not. And I have a feeling it's indiana but i'm not 100 percent sure but so there was just this one hotel where everybody who's going to vote was staying in this hotel so they had suffragettes there and then they had women who were against women getting the right to vote we'll call them shafleys and they is that were, really what they were uh no but phyllis shafley is this awful woman who uh campaigned actively against the equal rights amendment oh, okay i don't know what they were really called or if they had a name but so i knew that too i didn't know if you were referring to her by that that's why i wanted you to extrapolate on that yeah, yeah. and there was like different color of flowers you would give if, if somebody was pro or against and it all came down to this one guy who was gonna vote against but that morning he got a letter from his mother saying i hope you do the right thing for us and so he changed his vote and then the and then it got ratified wow and it came down to that one guy and that one guy listening to his mother yeah so you know what listen to your mom yes don't honk your horn don't honk your horn at your mother don't follow her around the store yes but when she tells you which way to vote do it do it the night that they were you know, after the vote, she didn't know which way it would go, but they were going to have a big party. The place gets raided and uh, Mrs. Q breaks her out of prison and just basically says, like, women need to look out for each other, which I really loved. And that was the reason that she did that for her. Um, and then they come home and Amir decides to sell his land in India and they open up a new place together called Bertha's. Yes. And they have a baby together. It's That's great. Wonderful. Happily ever after. I know. All in under 200 pages. It's crazy. It's great. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. Then they get to experience the Roaring Twenties. They get to experience the Harlem Renaissance. Good jazz. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. 
But here's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Would you fuck them? Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes, I would definitely. I don't know. I don't even remember how she described Amir, but I would just remember immediately like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm in, let's go. Yeah, there, uh, there was electricity when they first met, uh-huh. even though she was trying to really just be professional to the point of icy with him. But I think that she had to do that too. Like she knew you can't give men an inch or yeah. they'll take a mile. Cause she talked about how she would try to date. And then halfway through the date, the man would be like, here's why I should buy your restaurant or here's why you should put me in charge of your club. And mm-hmm. so she was like, yeah, no thanks, bud. But you would? Oh yeah. 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 I'd do both. Bertha seemed amazing. I really wish we could have seen her dance. I will say, well, that's why it should have been a hologram cover <laughs> again of her dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the cartoon cover would have been him teaching her how to dance. Okay. And there'd be like musical notes in the air and he'd have a zoot suit on. A zoot suit? <laughs> he's on the cutting edge. <laughs> I mean, he was like 10, 10 years too early for zoot suits. Yeah. Goodreads. Goodreads list this is on a bunch of lists. It's gotta be. Historical romance with unusual settings. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never read a book with this setting. No. Yeah. I would love to read more. Fighting racism with romance novels. Yes. Sure. Yes. Uh, romance novels where heroines take on the patriarchy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and so a trope that I really do love is just, like, women helping women. And there was no catfighting. I loved that also Bertha... Had it set up so when Cora had the baby, she got extra money and she was able to leave and then come back to her job, which a lot of people didn't. Most women, once you had a baby, you would lose your job. You'd have to find another job if you needed to keep working or you would be at home and it just sort of sucked. And for Cora, she was creating a works place that was uh, that lived up to her values, which I loved. It was very important. Um Best interracial romance stories. Yes. Feminist romance. Yes. Historical romance with political, economic, and or social conflict. Yeah. Suffrage in romance novels. Yes. These have all been very good. Yeah. Uh, Favorite historical romance novels. I liked it a lot. Not favorite, I don't think. Not for me. But I could see why it could be someone's favorite. Absolutely. It's so well written. Well, and I do think it's hard to put a novella up against a full length i think they're doing different jobs and i would say for no historical novellas yeah this is definitely okay i agree with that but if you put it against a full novel not that this isn't a full story but it just it doesn't have the things that you could have in a full novel and that's it wasn't what it was so Mm -hmm. that's okay um fish out of water romance hero yeah yeah he was a fish out of water um, favorite POC leads in historical romance. I know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I don't think we've had we've read a few, but not that many with uh, historical pe- people of color. Right, we did a few, but I like Bertha a lot. The only thing, Bertha's not a very sexy name. Yeah, you had problems with her name. Yeah, but she was, you know, the sexiest Bertha I've ever come in contact with <laughs> but i i mean i've never met a birth in real life have you i don't think so not that i can remember. right because that seems to be an old uh, that seems to be a name that went out of fashion yeah because if you were like i'm gonna name my daughter bertha i'd say 
Maybe not. Birdie is a cute name. Birdie is a great name, yeah. Yeah. Is there a name that you... If you, there was a hero, a hero or a heroine in a book, you couldn't read it. No. Okay. That might be a question. You might have to think on that question. I'll think on that, but I can't. Like growing up, my, my big enemy was named Kelly. So I feel like Kelly would be hard. But you have a friend named Kelly. Yeah, and I love her. So yeah. So that that now has changed it. So now, yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, no, there's no name that I am like. Oh, that is an awful name. What about like a parent, your brother or your parent? Like, because I think I couldn't read a romance with. No, that's I guess not. Because well, my to try. mom's name is Barbara. Okay. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. My dad's name is Billy, and I've read romances where the hero is named like William or Billy, and, and it doesn't because that's such a that, that's you can't um, get uh, away from Billy's or Williams or Wills. Yeah. So, well, also I don't think of my parents as their first names either. No. So then it's like I don't necessarily hear Barbara and and think it's my mom. Yeah, that's me. I might put that up on the Facebook. That's a good thing to Page put up there. and ask if anybody has. Romance novels capturing the immigrant experience. Yes. I really loved that this book was also set in like 1917. There just isn't much set there. No. And I think it is. it was such an interesting time for so many reasons that I would love to read more books set in like the teens or the 20s. I think they could be really, really um, interesting. This is probably your favorite. Romance in the Big Apple. Romance is set in and around New York City. Yeah. Yes. Harlem. <laughs> um, <laughs> Harlem. Did, did you, that was so natural. Harlem. Did you ever live in Harlem? Nope. Yeah. Soho, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the mean streets of Soho. Oh, you know. They're cobble. Yeah. They're cobblestone. So watch out for those ankles when you're in Soho. <laughs> Don't get them twisted. <laughs> and then i was in park slope Ooh, just the roughest neighborhoods roughest brooklyn watch out for your toes because strollers gonna roll over them i lived in the bronx and then oh. yeah the lower east side les right i lived in the les for like a summer i lived most of, i lived in murray hill for a very long time which is um, not cool yeah except for when barnum and bailey would be in um Madison Square Garden. Oh, and you smell that elephant shit. No, but on they used to do a thing where because the trains – oh, because the elephants couldn't walk up the stairs in Madison Square Garden. They would run the elephants through the Midtown Tunnel, and I lived on 34th Street. So we would always know the, – the neighborhood would be a buzz because the elephants were coming. And so you – it would be like 2, 3 in the morning because they had to shut down 34th Street. And you would stand there, and all of a sudden these elephants would start running up 34th Street with their trainers. It was – the coolest. That's so cool. Oh, my God. I, I would always be there for the elephants. It would be so cute, too, because, like, of course, I'd be there, like, in my 20s, like, jazzed about the elephants. And I'm, I never go to the circus because of the way they treat the animals, but I figured this is a way to see elephants and not feel guilty about it. But it would be cute because it would be little kids in their jammies just, like, hanging on their dads or their moms, just like, oh, my God, now there's elephants. It was really, really special. So 
I'm very happy I lived there because I wouldn't have had that experience. It turned into more and more of a thing to like the last year I saw it. They had, they had like acrobats, they brought the camels and you saw basically all the animals walk down 34th street and it was more of a thing. Um, But in the early days it was so weird and wild and I just really loved it so much. That's so cool. And this was pre having a camera on your phone. So yeah, I never took any pictures of it. I just realized, and those would have been amazing pictures. But you know what? You experienced it. Yeah, take only memories. Yes. Um, best dancers in romance novels. Yeah. Yeah, she seemed pretty great. And then she said she would not dance anymore until women got the vote. Everyone was real bummed. That's how you know it was good. Change makers in romance novels. Mm-hmm. Best romance books with blue-collar heroes slash handymen. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, blue-collar, yeah, uh, dishwasher's blue-collar. yeah. Handyman is a very weird thing to pull out. Because he wasn't a handyman. He wasn't fixing stuff. Well, it's and handyman, right? So it could be a handyman. But I think what they really wanted was a list of handymen. So just make that list. Because blue collar is so wide and then handyman is so small of a thing to pull out. So maybe do two lists. That would be my recommendation for this list master. (laughs) And then performing arts fiction. Yeah. Yeah. She was a dancer. She was. Um, yeah. So, Clayton, what are your tropes? Historical. New York. Uh, suffragettes. And this was our second suffragette. It was. And I learned how to say that. You did, not suffragettes. Yeah. Uh, interracial. Strong heroine. Politics. Finger sucking. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my tropes. Erin, what were your tropes? My tropes were in a racial romance, heroine as breadwinner because she was more wealthy than he was, um, dancer heroine that they can't be seen in public, um, so they have to keep a relationship a secret. The hero is an amazing cook. We've had a bunch of those. He was an amazing cook because he basically was taking like Cora's recipes, which were like down south soul food slash, and then he brings like Indian spices and stuff into it. So it does sound like it was probably freaking amazing. Which sounds great, but I worry about my tum because I have a sensitive tum. Uh, my like spices. So the combination of the soul food spices and the Indian spices might wreak havoc on my sensitive tum. I know you're northern England. I, it's just, and the older you get, curse. the more it's just boil everything. And I can handle salt, but throw pepper in there and it's... Really? Yeah, I can't do pepper. Oh, my God. It's too much. Pat thinks he doesn't like salt, so I have to secretly salt things. And then he likes it, so he's lying. Salt's the best. It's so... I have, in my house, six different kinds of salt. Yes. Because I'm a connoisseur. And there's a place in Portsmouth, New Hampshire called the Salt Cellar. Um, All they do is sell different kinds of salt. Can we go? I want to go so bad. And so I have, like, special smoky salts. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yes. And I looked in the supermarket at the salts and they had like the big crystal salts. I was like, Pat's going to kill me if I bring more salt into the house. But like, I don't have this one. Smuggle it in. I know. I'll be like, we always had it. That's normally my game. You never pay attention. Then you make him feel bad. <laughs> I've had this forever. Yeah. Um, Do you, does he check the receipts for any salt purchases? No. Good. No. But he's the one that organizes the kitchen. So then I'll be like, I need to organize this somehow. Okay. So, you know, whatever. I try. No, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to get on the way home. Um, heroin is a former sex worker. Yes, that is true. Hero and heroin deliver a baby. 
Mm. We haven't seen that before, but that was very exciting. And that's when they had their first kiss. They were so elated. They had a healthy baby. And then they do a closed mouth kiss that was electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are my tropes. I love a good closed mouth kiss. Well, you could just see it so easily in your mind, too. Yeah. The, the writing was so vivid. Like, you were there. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it seems when you're reading it so effortless, but then after reading a lot of books, you realize how hard it is to actually do that. Right. But that's the thing is when it's really, really good writing, you don't see the writing anymore. It's just is in your mind. Yeah. Versus hard writing. You just, that's all you notice. Bad writing. I mean. Sweaty writing. Um, Clayton. What has you swooning this week? Thank you for asking, Erin. You're so natural. When it's good podcasting, you can hardly tell that you're podcasting. (laughs) So I am going to swoon about a movie that I didn't get to see in the theaters, and I'm disappointed I missed it. It is a movie called Midsommar. Oh. And this was... Ari Aster directed this movie. He's the guy who did Hereditary, a movie I was not a big fan of. I understand why people liked it, but I was not, not, it wasn't for me. This movie is gorgeous, very creepy. I wouldn't say it's a horror movie, but it's definitely an unsettling movie. The lead actress is Florence Pugh, who was in a movie I think I swooned about or probably mentioned before fighting with my family which is a very cute movie about wrestling where she played the lead part in that and, oh, I want, and she was in lady Macbeth, which was amazing that was her first big role oh yeah that was fantastic she is so awesome in this movie she should get a nomination for oscar she will not she takes a a, a role which could very easily in in, in a unskilled person's hand be a very unsympathetic and maybe even annoying performance because she has to be in pain and uh, grief and all these different emotions the whole time. But she makes you care so much for her well-being that she anchors this movie and without her, I would probably like this movie a lot less. Now it is beautifully shot. There's a lot of creepy, cool stuff in it. I've never seen a movie like this. That's horror in the broad daylight. So I, I say, you know, I, if you can see it on a big screen, if it's playing at some small movie theater, do it. But I would say definitely rent it or stream it if you can because it's a very, very, very good movie. And it has Jack Rayner from Sing Street. So from Sing Street, yes, absolutely. He's fantastic. He's fantastic as well. So, yeah, Midsommar. Now, people say Midsummer. Midsommar. I've heard Midsommar. I'm just going to say the uh, annoying Just way. the more pretentious way. Yeah, the I more think more if you can way. choose, like, relatable, pretentious, like, you know. Go pretentious. 100%. <laughs> now, Aaron, what are you swooning about this week? Um, I'm also swooning about a movie that I just saw two nights ago, uh, Jojo Rabbit. And it is written and directed by um, Takeda Watiti, who is a director that I love. He directed a great movie called Hunt for the Wilder People, which if you haven't seen, see it. It's on Hulu. It's amazing. 
um, and Thor Ragnarok and what we do the shadows. This one, um, Jojo Rabbit, it's, it's, it's a really great movie. Um, and it is all about this, uh, little boy. He's 10 years old. His name is Jojo and he lives in a small town in Germany, sort of at the end of world war two. Um, he is really fanatical and into being a member of the Nazi party. This all sounds like it's going to be uh, tough and really heavy, and it is. And there are very tough parts of it. It starts as as kind of a broad comedy within him at this training weekend for the Hitler Youth. And I had a tough time with that part. But other people were laughing, so whatever. Maybe it was just me. But it ends up being the story he finds that his mother, who is a part of the resistance, she doesn't tell him this, has been hiding a Jewish girl um, in her the room of her daughter who has died and we never figure out how or why she died. Um, and Jojo finds this girl for various reasons. They can't let anyone know that they know about each other and they form a friendship and he sort of falls in love with her in a very like sweet 10 year old sort of way. Um, and I thought this movie did an amazing job of you are in his, in Jojo's world the entire time. So you are seeing everything as a 10 year old sees it. And I think it's easy to make that overly juvenile or make it overly twee or make it overly simplistic. And it never was. It always had such respect for Jojo and the way he's trying to put the world together, which is a world gone mad, basically, his small town kind of nothing makes sense. And so you see a child trying to make sense of something that is nonsensical. And um, and it's done in such a beautiful way. And the the message is is a beautiful one about sort of always trying to do good where you can do good and taking the time to dance and celebrate life no matter what, no matter what your circumstance is. Um, there's a really beautiful friendship of him with his friend, um, that they run into each other a few times and I love um, that they always like hug each other and they're very sweet with each other in a way that I think little boys are really sweet with each other in a way that I don't really see um, in the in the culture like represented in media so I loved that as well it's a funny story too really funny really well acted really amazingly written phenomenal and absurd and I really really loved it and I think you know Movies are expensive now, and this is worth spending, you know, 15 bucks or whatever to, to go see and support because um, it's it's really a phenomenal movie and, and well done, and I loved it. There's a lot of good movies coming out. I know. I'm recently. excited. Um, I'm just going to double swoon really fast, and I'm going to say since you recommended Jojo Rabbit and it is expensive to go to the movies, if you have Netflix, there's a movie called My Name is Dolomite. That's on Netflix. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's back. He's swearing up a storm. But it's a story about Rudy Ray Moore, who was a uh, guy who was trying to find his way in the uh, the entertainment business and finds this act that really becomes popular and makes his own movie. And it's filthy. There's a lot of swearing in it. But if you're a creative person and uh, you are struggling to find your place, there is a moment at the end of this movie that made me cry mm-hmm. because I think it is a constant push and it is a constant battle and you can't give up because you never know. And it's a very sweet movie 
and I would recommend it. You can watch it on Netflix right now. That's my double swoon. Whoa, two swoons Whoa. for the price of one. I'm going to have to lie down after <laughs> all this swooning. Erin, where can they find us? <laughs> so you can um, always, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. You guys do a wonderful job at this, and we really appreciate it. Helps people find us, and it only takes a second. We are almost at 100 star ratings on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to get to 100. That's such a beautiful number. So if you haven't, you like this podcast, and you haven't rated or reviewed, if you're nervous, if you're a nervous reviewer, you don't have to write any words. Just give us the five star. Just give us a star rating. We would love it. Uh, I like things to be tidy, so 100's great. Um, and it just lets people know that we're here and, uh, you know, gets the word out. So. Yeah. But you guys are doing great. Yeah. If you want to share about us on social media, we would also really appreciate that. Um, And if you want to recommend a book to us, say hi, you know, anything, you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. As always, we have our Facebook group, The Learning the Tropes Troop. We always let people know early what uh, books we're reading. So if you want to know earlier... They're normally in there two to three weeks early. If you want to, um, uh, Clayton always likes to do polls in there. So if you want to take some polls, Clayton will put them up for you. Learning the Tropes is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. And then next week, we are reading Grin and Bearded by Penny Reed. So we will see you then. Bye. Bye.